Welcome to the Field of Church podcast. Our church inhales and exhales the gospel every Sunday and is excited to bring our messages to you here. Thank you for joining us and we hope God moves in your life as you listen into this feed. Now the famine was severe in the land and when they had eaten the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questions us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and our little ones. I will be a pledge for his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man. A little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise and go again to the man. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man and may he send you back with your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I'm bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose and went down to Egypt and they stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house and they said, It's because of the money which was replaced in our sacks for the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us, make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke to him at the door of the house. And they said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks. And there was each man's money in the mouth of the sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us. And we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We don't know who put our money in the sacks. And he replied, Peace to you. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received the money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when they had given their donkeys fodder, fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. 
he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber, and he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for it is an abomination to the Hebrews. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. When we read this story, we tend to focus on Joseph and what God was doing in his life and through his life. And while certainly God was working in Joseph, uh, we have to remember that we serve a sovereign God, an almighty God who doesn't just work in one person at a time. He works in all of us at the same time so that ultimately his plans and his purpose can be accomplished. And we see that so clearly in this story because we see that God wasn't just working in Joseph's life. He was also working in his brother's lives and in his father's life as well. And specifically, we see how he was working in Judah's life, one of, one of his uh, brothers. Now, we met Judah back in Genesis 37 and 38, and we quickly saw that Judah was a pretty messed up individual. He was actually the one who suggested to the brothers that they would sell Joseph as a slave. And then and later, he also moved out of the family and he married a woman that he wasn't really supposed to. And, and ultimately, he, he ended up sleeping with his daughter-in-law, thinking that she was a prostitute. So, so that context just shows us that Judah was a really messed up individual. But in Genesis 38, we know that Judah was confronted with his sin. That he was face to face with his sin. And in that moment, Judah said, I'm sorry. He repented from his sin and he experienced the power of repentance. God began to do a good work in his life. And in the chapters we're looking at today, we see the evidence of that work and the effects of that work in Judah's life. Now, let me remind you that in chapter 42, Joseph told the brothers that if they ever wanted to come back to Egypt and get more food, they had to bring little Benjamin with them. And Benjamin was uh, Jacob's special son. Uh, Jacob had several wives and concubines, and, and J Benjamin was the son of uh, his favorite wife, Rachel. So was Joseph, but uh, Joseph, I mean, Jacob thought that he had lost Joseph. So, so Benjamin was the favorite son at this point. He was very, very special to Jacob. So it was hard for him to let Benjamin go. But the time came in which they had to go. They, they were hungry. They had no food, and they had to go back to Egypt. And I want you to see how God was uh, transforming Judah. You, you begin to see in verses uh, 8 and 9, right there in 43, it says this. And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. 
I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. This is the same Judah that suggested that they would sell Joseph as a slave because he was Jacob's favorite son. And now we see the transformation because now when it's time for them to go to Egypt, he says, hey, dad, I will take care of Judah, uh, Benjamin. I will take care of him. I'll make sure that I bring him back uh, to you. He was a different man. And we know that Jacob had seen the difference in Judah. We see it in the, in the fact that Jacob let Benjamin go with Judah, go back to Egypt. Now, you may say, well, Ender, he had no choice. They were hungry. They, they, they had no food. So, so he had to send him with Judah anyways. Well, he actually had other choices. Because in chapter 42, I don't know if you remember this, but last week we talked about the fact that uh, uh, when they came back from Egypt and told uh, Jacob everything that had happened, Reuben, the oldest son, had said, hey, daddy, when that time comes, when it's time for us to go back to Egypt, I will take care of little Benjamin. I will take care of him. I will protect him. And uh, Jacob immediately said, no way, Jose. Well, actually, Jose was back in Egypt. He said, no way, Reuben. So he said, you, you're not going to take care of my son. I, I don't trust you. You're not going to be able to protect him. But now that the time come, he sent uh, a little Benjamin, not with Reuben, but with Judah. And technically, Reuben should have been the one given the opportunity to uh, take Benjamin with him because he was the oldest. But instead of trusting Reuben with Benjamin, Jacob decides to trust Judah. This is a sign that Judah was a new man. This is a sign that Judah had been transformed by God and Jacob has seen it. So they go back. But you have to remember, Joseph didn't know that. See, in Joseph's mind, what defined Judah was his mistake from the past. What, what Joseph remembers about Judah is the fact that he is the one who suggested they would sell him as a slave. It was because of Judah that he ended up at Potiphar's house serving as a slave. It was because of Judah that he eventually ended up in prison uh, paying for something that he hadn't done. So Joseph is before his brothers and before Judah, and he is skeptical about their transformation they had said they were honest men, but Joseph is going, man, I'm not sure about this. And when we read the story, we realize that Joseph actually had a hard time believing that God could transform his brothers. That the same God who took him out of uh, a physical slavery and physical prison and put, put him in a position where he could be a blessing to others had also the power to take his brothers from, from the slavery and the prison that their sin brought and bless them and use them for his good as well. He had a hard time believing that. And we see it towards the very end of the chapter. It says that when he receives his brothers, he, he gets so emotional when he sees little Benjamin that he has to step out and, and cry for a bit. Then he washes off his face and then he comes, he comes back and he has a party with his brothers. And in the last verse of the chapter, we see how he doubted, how he couldn't believe that God could transform his brothers. Look at what happened in verse 34. It says this, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. That seems like a weird verse and like even something insignificant. But there is a phrase there that, that shows us that, that Joseph didn't believe Judah had changed. It says that Benjamin's portions were five times bigger than the rest of them. Five times. Now, 
you might say, Ender, how does that show us that he didn't believe in the power of God to change his brothers? Well, I want to remind you that part of the reason why they sold Joseph to begin with was because he was Jacob's favorite son. He had, he had shown favoritism towards him, and they didn't like that. That's why they hated him so much, and they ended up selling him as a slave. So what Joseph is doing here is he's showing favoritism towards Benjamin just to see how his brothers are going to react. He is testing them because he doesn't believe that they have changed. See, in Joseph's mind, what defined his brothers was what they did to them some 13 years ago. What defined Judah was the mistake that he made when he uh, suggested to his brothers that they would sell him as a slave. So even though Joseph had seen the power of God in his life, he still had a hard time believing that God could change other people, that God could change his brothers. Honestly, there is a little bit of uh, self-righteousness here. He probably thought, well, obviously, I'm here because I haven't done anything wrong. I'm here because, you know, I was sold as a slave and I was accused of doing something that I, I didn't do. So obviously, God is rewarding me and putting me in a position of power. But, but God, surely God can't work in the life of my brother. They are the ones that sold me as a slave. There is self-righteousness in him. And Joseph was about to discover that God works in the life of whoever he wants to work. And the same power that he had to bless Joseph, he has to transform anybody who he wants to transform. And I think you and I should pay close attention here because uh, before we are quick to uh, judge uh, Joseph for not trusting in God to change his brothers, we have to be able to admit and confess that we also doubt the power of God sometimes. We are okay when God blesses us and God gives us opportunities that we think sometimes we deserve. But when somebody else gets those opportunities, when somebody else, God works in somebody else's life, then we kind of doubt, especially if it's somebody that we don't think they're worthy of God's blessing. We kind of doubt the power of God. When we're faced in, with impossible situations, or at least situations that seem impossible to us, we have a hard time believing that God can move. Even though we believe in God and we believe in his power, sometimes there are areas of our lives when we have a hard time believing that God can move. So before we can continue the story and before we can understand what comes next, I think one of the best things that we can do is be humble before God and confess to him that sometimes we have a hard time believing him. Confess to him that sometimes we don't understand him and that we need him desperately to teach us how to understand him and how to trust in him even when things don't make sense. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to take a posture of repentance right now. If you're in your home or, or wherever you are, just, just kind of get on your knees. And we're going to sing a song. And as we sing this song to the Lord, I want to invite you to, to confess to the Lord that sometimes you have a hard time believing. And that you need Him, that you desperately need Him. To give you the wisdom that you need to trust in Him and to walk by faith and not by sight. Let's go ahead and confess that to the Lord now. Then he commanded the steward of his house, fill the men's sack with food, as much as they could carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, up, follow after the men. When you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this that my Lord drinks, 
and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouth of our sacks we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, Let it be as you say, He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, every man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? How can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are your Lord's servants, both we and also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah went up to him and said, O oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord, and our father said, Go again, buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to show. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. Let the boy go back with his brothers. For now, 
can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. So in this chapter, we still see Joseph struggling to believe that God can transform a person. He's still struggling to believe that God was really doing a work in Judah and in his brothers. We see it because he tests them again. Uh, this time it says that, that he put all the food in their bags and then he sends them home. But, but he, he, takes, he does another test on them. He, he puts his special cup on Benjamin's back so that he can catch him later. And his plan worked as he, uh, as he thought it would work. He sends a servant so that the servant can catch him. And sure enough, when the servants get to the brothers, they, they, they know they haven't stolen the cup. So they let him check their bags one by one. And he goes from the oldest to the youngest. And he couldn't find the cup until he got to the youngest, until he, he got to the favorite son, until he got to Benjamin. And he found the cup. And at this point, they're guilty. They, they've stolen something that was precious to this important man in Egypt. And therefore, they're taken back to Egypt so that they can face him. They're about to be judged. So here are the brothers again in front of Joseph. And Joseph basically has them where he wanted them. He, he has them and they think they're guilty. And, 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 and Joseph's still trying to understand how to, how to treat his brothers after all these years and after everything they've done to him. And, and when they're faced with him, you can see a humility and you can see transformation in Judah in the way he speaks to his brother. I want you to see what he said to them. In verses 16 through 18, he says this, And Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? Why shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, but we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, Far it be from me that I should, that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah went up to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ear. And let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. So you see how Judah humbly comes before Joseph and he doesn't try to justify his sin. He doesn't try to explain what happened. He doesn't even try to say, we didn't do it. Some, somehow that appeared there. He doesn't even mention the fact that before they had also found their money, even though they gave it to them. He doesn't try anything. He's humble before Joseph. And he simply acknowledges the fact that he is a sinful human being. That they're all broken and sinful human beings. He says, why are we going to try to explain ourselves? Why are we going to try to tell you that we are innocent? He said, at the end of the day, he says, God has found out the guilt that we have. See, Joseph, Judah knew that they were broken. He knew that they were messed up. He knew that they had made a huge mistake in the past when they sold Joseph as a slave. That had plagued him for years. He knew they had messed up big time. So he doesn't try to hide anything. He just says to Joseph, listen, we are sinful. If you want to accuse us of anything, the truth of the matter is that we're guilty. We're sinful, broken, messed up human beings. And he says, take us all as slaves. We're going to serve you as slaves. And in that interaction, Joseph says, no, 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 I'm not going to take all of you. I'm going to take the favorite. I'm going to take little Benjamin because he's the one that had the cup. So I'm going to take him. You can see that he's still testing them. And he's determined to, to find out if they've truly changed or not. 
And he's about to experience the power of God. Because Judah, even though he knew he was a messed up individual, even though he knew that he had made a huge mistake in the past, he had also experienced the power of repentance. He had also seen God at work in his life. And he knew that his mistakes in the past didn't define him. He knew that God had given him a new opportunity, that God had given him a chance, and he was not going to make the same mistake again. So he says to Joseph, listen, give me an opportunity to speak to you in private. And I want you to imagine the emotions in that room for a moment. Imagine for a second what Joseph felt. Imagine for a second what Judah felt. Because Joseph is right in front of his brother, the one that suggested they would sell him as a slave. It was because of him that he had suffered all those years just kind of as a slave and in prison and all these things. And he is right in front of him now. On the other hand, you had Judah who knew he had screwed up. He knew that he had made a huge mistake. He knew that he was sinful. But at the same time, he knew that he had made a promise to his daddy. He knew that God was doing a work in his life and he was not going to let his past mistakes define him. So Judah speaks and he explains to Joseph how uh, everything happened. And, and then in the last few verses of the chapter, you see the transformation in Judah's life. You see that when God changes a person, he truly changes a person. Look, look at what it says in verses 30 through 34. It says this, Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father." This is right here evidence of a changed man. He didn't just talk the talk. He also walked the walk. He told the father, the, uh, Joseph what he told his father he would do. He, he stepped up. And when Benjamin, even though he was innocent because he hadn't stolen the cup, but he was found guilty and he was going to become a slave, he took the blame. He took his place. He offered himself. See, Judah know, knew that he was a sinful man, that he was guilty, and he had caused his father a lot of pain for a lot of years. And he was not going to let that happen again. So he said exactly what he said he would do. He showed that he is a new man. And he speaks to Joseph and he says, please let my little brother know. I go, I don't want my father to suffer the same way again. Let him go so that my father doesn't die out of sorrow. Man, this right here is the evidence that God can change a man. God took this man who sold his brother Joseph into slavery simply because he was jealous. And he transformed him into a man that, that was willing to lay his own life to become a slave himself so that the new favorite son could be set free. This is the power that God has to transform a life. The power that God has to transform a person. 
And I want you to know that the same God who worked in Judah's life is the same God who's at work today. The same God that, that turned Judah into a backstabber, bully, big brother who sleeps with prostitutes into a man who was willing to, to, to lay his own life for the good of his family is the same God that is at work today and can transform your heart today as well. He is moving with power and he's speaking to you today and he wants you to know that you don't have to be your mistakes, that you don't have to be your past, that in him you can be a brand new person. See, this story is here not just to show us that God moved in the past, but to show us that God still moves and he still transforms heart. This story is here to point us also on how he does it. Because I, I want you to see how Judah, even though he didn't do what uh, Benjamin was being accused of doing, he stepped in and he said, I'm willing to pay for the price. I'm willing to take the blame. I'm willing to become slave myself. And hundreds of years later came a descendant of Judah whose name is Jesus. And Jesus did the exact same thing in a much, much greater way. Because see, Judah was a sinful man. He, he was guilty and his guilt is what probably some of it, what motivated him to, to do that. But Jesus, on the other hand, he was completely innocent. He was absolutely perfect. He never committed a sin. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life. But he also, in that perfect life, he had seen the pain that the father had experienced when he had seen his children be lost to sin. He had seen the effect of sin and death in the father's heart. And he was not going to let the father experience that pain anymore. And even though you and I were guilty, even though all of us sinned and our sins separated us from God, Jesus, in spite of being innocent, stepped in and said, I will take their place. I offer myself as a slave. I offer myself, I offer my life as a sacrifice. And Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins, the very thing that separated us from God so that we could be forgiven so that we could be restored and so that we could be given a new identity. So that we didn't have to be defined by our past mistakes, but not, rather know that we are a new person in Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that when we believe that message, when we believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for humanity, he's the one that can save us, then the old has passed and the new has come. We are a new person in him. We are a new person in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here to watching and you, you have a hard time believing that God can transform lives. When I say that, you have a hard time believing it. And the reason why you have a hard time believing it is because you have seen the effects of sin in your own life. It's because you know that you have made mistakes in the past and you think that those mistakes define you. And you have tried really hard to fix yourself and you have tried really hard to fix the consequences of your mistakes and you know that you haven't succeeded at it. You know that you've failed time after time after time. You think that you can't change. And the reason why you think that is because you're trying to change yourself. And if you're trying to change yourself, then the truth of the matter is that, yeah, you can't. You can't change. See, the story is here to show us that you don't have to change yourself. 
And even though you were guilty, the innocent man, the perfect man, Jesus, took your place on the cross. And if you place your faith in him instead of your own actions, instead of what you can do, then you can be forgiven. And you don't have to be your past anymore. You don't have to be your mistakes anymore. You can be a new person. You can be a child of God. Maybe today you need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and put your trust in him so that you can be redeemed and you can become a new person. If that's you, then I want to invite you not to wait anymore, to do it right now. I want to invite you to pull out your phone and text the word next step to 94253 and fill out the form that is there and just let us know that you want to place your faith in Jesus and one of our pastors is going to reach out to you immediately and and so that we can help you in this journey of faith. In this next song, you're going to hear that you don't have to be who you were in the past. That because of what Christ did on the cross, you can be a child of God. During that song, respond. Fill out that form and let us know. Now, I know there are some of you who are believers of the gospel. And you too think that sometimes your mistakes define you. Even though you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the enemy sometimes comes at you and he tries to to defeat you and to make you think that your mistakes from the past define you. I want to remind you that in Christ Jesus, you are a new person. You don't have to be your mistakes. Just like Judah was not defined by his past mistakes, but rather by the transformation that he experienced through God, you can be defined by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer, I want to invite you to sing to the Lord declaring that you believe, that you believe that you are a child of God. Let's do that together now. Let's sing to him, believing that we've been made new. Then Joseph could not control himself, but for all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph says to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house and ruler over all of the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your sons Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. 
and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after this, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers had come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts, go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to, to say, Do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all of the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. In the last chapter we're going to look at today, we see how when God transforms a person, He really transforms a person, and not just the person, his work doesn't stop there. He also begins to use that person as an agent of transformation for those around them. In this story, we see how what the enemy intended for evil in, in Joseph's life was used for God later for good, for, for his glory and for the good of all of them. And we see how he used Judah as an agent of, of uh, forgiveness and restoration and even to bring hope to the rest of the family. Because you see... It was after uh, Judah's reaction and after Judah's humility that uh, Joseph finally simply believed that God really had transformed them, that God had really transformed at least Judah. And, and he can't help it anymore but just to tell his brothers that he is Joseph, that he is who he is. And in that reaction, after he tells them, then he's able to forgive. He's able to not only forgive, but also restore the family. And he's able to be used so that they can have hope and so that they can have good news. I, I want you to see what I'm talking about in verses 5 through 9. We already read them, but let's read them again. It says this, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all this house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up. 
and go up to my father and say to him, Thus say your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You can see in this reaction that after uh, Joseph see the transformation in Judah's life, all he can do is simply forgive his brothers. He says, hey, listen, you don't have to worry about this anymore. I know that you're being plagued by the guilt. I know that you feel bad because you sold me as a slave, but, but you don't have to anymore. You, you are set free from, from that chain, from that burden. You have been forgiven. And the reason is because Joseph was able to see that God was in control of his life at every moment. That God was at work not just in his life, but also in the life of his brothers. And he was orchestrating everything so that he could, at this point in his life, be the agent of reconciliation and restoration that he was. So that he could bring hope to the people of God. He says, listen, God sent me before you guys. It was God. He had a plan in all of this. He was at work. And even though that was evil, even though the enemy tried to destroy me through all that and break our hope and everything, God was still good in the middle of it. And God was doing something amazing. He says, God sent me before you guys because there's going to be a terrible time coming. But see, we're prepared here, and now you can experience uh, the, the blessings that we have in this land. You can have what you are not going to have in the land of Canaan. You can, we are prepared to receive you, is what he is saying. Not only that, but he also uh, sends the message to his father. And I want you to imagine Jacob's reaction for a moment. He, he says that he has a hard time believing it. He says, go to my father and tell him that I'm alive and that God is using me in a mighty way, that I'm in charge here in Egypt, and it's going to be awesome, so bring him over here. He says that Jacob couldn't believe it at the beginning. So you can see how the transformation that happened in Judah's life is what moved Joseph so that he could forgive his brothers, so that there could be restoration in this family, and so that he could bring good news and hope to the rest of the family, to the people of God. So they could come and have the things that they were not going to have in the land of Canaan. And Joseph saw how God was sovereign over the whole situation, over his life. He saw that even though he was betrayed by his brothers, that even though he was sold by one of his brothers for a few pieces of silver, that even though he was accused and punished for something that he didn't do, even though he was thrown into a prison and and he had to wait there longer than he wanted to wait there, God had not forgotten about him. It was all part of God's plan. God was still in control and he was moving all the pieces so that at the right time he could elevate Joseph into the right position so that he could be a blessing to his people, so that he could bring forgiveness to the family and so that he could restore the family that was about to be uh, broken. It's amazing to see what God did through all of this. And I want you to know that God still can do this. And I know maybe you're watching this and, and you're going or have gone through a very painful situation and you have a hard time forgiving. And understandably so, because maybe somebody hurt you really bad in the past. And it's hard for you right now to see how, how God can bless that person, how God can use that for any good. Because it was something terrible, it was something really difficult. But I want to invite you to look at it from this perspective. I want to invite you to be willing to believe that maybe, yeah, it was painful, it was difficult, but maybe, just maybe, what the enemy intended for evil, God can turn it for good. God can do something good with it, just like he did in Joseph's life. That maybe God wants to use you as an agent of forgiveness and restoration 
and to bring the good news of the gospel to people around you, even to the person who hurt you the way you've been hurt. Maybe you had to go through all of that so that you could experience the power of God and the goodness of God and so that you can show that goodness and that forgiveness and that restoration to others around you. I want to invite you to believe that God can do that because we see it in Joseph's life, but also because we see it in Jesus, the Son of God. Because think about Jesus' life for a moment. Just like Joseph, Jesus was betrayed by his people, by his brothers. Just like Joseph, one of his closest friends, one of his brothers sold him for a few pieces of silver. Just like Joseph, Jesus was accused of doing something that he didn't do and he was punished for it. And he was not just sent into prison. He was sentenced to death. He died on a cross. Even though he was innocent, he died on a cross to pay for the sins of humanity. And he wasn't just thrown into a dark prison longer than he wanted to be. He was thrown into a tomb, in a dark, cold tomb. And he was there and he had to wait there longer than anybody would want to be in a tomb. But just like with Joseph, God didn't forget about him. God had a plan with all of this. And what the enemy intended for evil, God used it for good. Because at the right time, God rose Jesus from the dead. And he gave him the name that is above every name. And he put him in a position of power. And it is through that death and that resurrection that Jesus then can bring forgiveness. And he can bring restoration. And he can bring hope to humanity. It is through that death and that resurrection that you and I can be forgiven of our sins. It is through that death and that resurrection that our family can be restored and our relationship with God can be restored. It is through that death and that resurrection that we can have hope for humanity. See, Joseph said, hey, God sent me here so that I could save people. He sent me before you guys because he knew something terrible was coming and I was sent by God so that I could prepare a place for you guys so that you could come and have what you needed during that terrible time. And just like with Joseph, Jesus went ahead of us. He died on a cross. He resurrected from the dead. And then he ascended into the presence of the Father so that he could prepare a place for us at the, at the Father's table. So that he could prepare a place for us in his Father's house. So that he could prepare a place for us. Because one day this world is going to end. And the suffering and the pain and the sorrow that we go through is going to end with it. And you and I can have hope. That we can be with God for eternity in a place where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no suffering because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Because he went ahead of us to prepare a place for us. So listen, if you're a believer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to declare that you believe that even though you've gone through that painful situation, God can use it for good. That even though the enemy intended for it to be evil and to harm you, God can use it for something good in your life. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are going to see a victory one day. Even if it's not on this earth, you know that you have a place in the Father's house because he has made a place for you. So if you're a believer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to declare that by singing it, by singing that we're going to see a victory in Christ Jesus. And not only that, but also by taking the Lord's Supper together. I want to invite you to also prepare the bread and prepare the cup because those two elements remind us of the fact that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could see a victory, so that we could have eternal hope. 
So if you're a believer, I want to invite you to stand up right where you are. We're going to sing together that in Jesus Christ, we're going to see a victory. Then after that, Pastor Jason is going to lead us in the taking of the Lord's Supper. Let's sing together.